umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're going to talk about michigan's stunning 35 to 14 loss to wisconsin well clint when we were in the run-up to the game the sp plus analysis had predicted a, a pretty big margin of victory for wisconsin we were wondering if that was going to play out Unfortunately, it did. What kind of things jumped out at you when you were looking at the numbers post game? Well, it was it was kind of surprising to see a little bit of success uh, on the explosiveness metric for Michigan. Uh, once they actually had some successful plays, they were pretty explosive, especially when they got in the late third and uh, in the fourth quarter when they were just throwing the ball deep to both Nico Collins and, and Tariq Black. So that shows up in the numbers as being a pretty big uh, ISO points per play metric. So that sh- stood out as a little bit of a surprise. Other than that, it wasn't a surprise to see a total total washout by the Badgers. I mean, they dominated every facet. And uh, I don't know that I've seen one like that, um, a total washout like that, maybe last year's uh, Michigan washout of uh, Western Michigan. That was the last time that I remember seeing such a large advantage for one team over the other in all facets. So it was interesting to see and, you know, interesting in a bad kind of way that, um, you know, Wisconsin was up 28 nothing at the half and the way that the offense was struggling, it really genuinely felt like the game was, was pretty much over. So, um, you know, we, we've talked about in the past that Michigan has struggled on the road. Um, it was it was disheartening to see um, them struggle so much that that the really the game really felt like it was over at half. So, you know, I know everybody's down. I know I'm down. I, I rewatched the game and, and tried to pull some good things from it. Um, you know, I'm really trying to look to what we need to do over the next couple of weeks to get uh, to build a competitive team. I mean, you're not going to get healthy overnight. Um, you know, in, in my mind, there's no amount of points that you're going to beat Rutgers by that is going to make this game completely get washed out of your mouth. But, you know, there are some things that I'm, I'm hoping to see moving forward. And I, I think the biggest question I have is, you know, what is Michigan going to do at quarterback? Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's still Shea's job. Um, not that he's played well, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know that McCaffrey's come in and really shown um, that he's taken the bull by the horns and really taken that job away. So um, I, I agree with a lot of the critics that say that Shea's kind of left the door open with some poor play, especially ball security, which is something that I've harped on a little bit, but I don't know that McCaffrey has been substantially better when he's been in there. Uh, and then also, of course, I, I that injury, um, that was a pretty legit concussion um, on the hit, the targeting call against McCaffrey um, on the, the read option that he was running. So I, I would be surprised if he's available for the Rutgers game anyway, uh, in all honesty, I think, Shea will probably start. I think Milton will probably be the backup, and uh, this will probably be one of the games that uh, Cade Magnamara will be available with the uh, the four games that you can play 
and still keep your red shirt. Um, if things do go Michigan's way and they can stretch out a big lead in the second half, you might see McNamara get a couple uh, snaps, but um, he might be the emergency quarterback if, if, if things really went sideways and we had additional injuries. Um, I'd be shocked if, uh, if Dylan McCaffrey is available on Saturday. Well, and I think that's one of the, the keys that people need to remember, that the season is young. This is not a, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and, you know, bring Milton in and see what he can do. You still have, you know, a huge chunk of the season left. And I, I think the thing that I'm really struggling with is we have seen Shea Patterson be a good quarterback. He really hasn't looked good consistently this year. And I don't expect uh, the team to tell us if it's an injury issue. You know, I'm starting to wonder if maybe he just doesn't feel comfortable in the new offense. But, again, it's it's just a wondering at this point. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you, you know, going back to the Wisconsin game a little bit, you know, Wisconsin came out, and, you know, we've talked about this in the past. The Michigan defense um, – it's not unusual to see them give up an early touchdown, right? Um, so I, I wasn't all that surprised or disappointed when Wisconsin came out and went up. But, you know, you have the Michigan offense roar right back and looks like, hey, this is the speed and space that, that people have been talking about. This is, you know, firing on all cylinders, go down the field, and, and then once again get bit by a turnover, which is just – you know, at this point, you just kind of shake your head. They were so fortunate last season and, you know, basically, you know, went right back to turning the ball over to guess to versus Wisconsin. So, you know, I look at that and I wonder, you know, how much of that was a big momentum swing? Um, you know, did did, uh, did Michigan just get behind the eight ball and things kept rolling against them? But, you know, I'm wondering, like you mentioned, the, the injury to Dylan McCaffrey. What's going on with the quarterback position? I agree with you that we're going to see Shea um, start against Rutgers. It gets really interesting on what happens, uh, you know, if McCaffrey's not available. And like you said, that was a, a pretty vicious targeting that he was, uh, you know, on the receiving end of. And, and, you know, he's in concussion protocol right now. So, you know, what happens if Milton comes in and starts to light it up? But again, I, I at this point I would love to see the offense light up under anybody, but I do think that's going to be one of the big topics I'm going to be watching versus Rutgers and and even looking ahead to Iowa is who is going to really grab that quarterback position. And I'll tell you, part of it is a leadership thing. Um, you know, the thing I was disappointed by versus Wisconsin, and we've talked about this. You know, we talked about this last year. It's not necessarily the loss, it's how you lose, okay? And the team really was dragging. You know, they were dragging their butts that second half. That You could tell that they were really down. And that's, it's frustrating. So, what you know, you've talked about leadership in the past. When I talk about the quarterback position, I'm really looking for somebody just to kind of grab the team by the, you know, by the shirt and, and the jersey and kind of like pull everybody, you know, into a positive frame looking forward um, because I really kind of feel like the, the season's kind of hanging in the balance right now. So, you know, hopefully it's going to go in a good way, but I'm really looking for whoever grabs that quarterback starting job to, to really be a, a leader. 
I agree 100%. Uh, 100%. I think it's the most important thing um, for a quarterback. I mean, all of the all of the activity between the whistles is obviously critical, but it's it's really being a, a, the rock um, of leadership inside the huddle and the mental ability to make the right reads and the right calls and make sure that you're, you're executing the offense correctly as it was called. Um, I'm not saying I haven't seen anything that's really glaring outside of the, uh, the read option conversation that's kind of dominated, but I, I don't think Shea does a poor job as far as executing the offense. With that said, there, there were some open receivers that Shea had missed um, in terms of finding them uh, as he went through his reads, whatever the, the progressions are on the different pass plays that were very frustrating, very glaring. There, there was one play that the corner fell down on Nico Collins and, and it didn't even get, didn't even blip the radar. You know, and that, that tells me that for whatever reason, uh, the, the design of the play has Nico's vertical route as the last resort or, you know, we're just not looking where we need to be looking in terms of the quarterback. So I, I agree with you. I, I think leadership is, is a huge part of it. Um, the reason we brought it up a lot this year already is because I think um, poor leadership or um, lack of, of timely leadership or, or making, making big plays or kind of correcting their errors at the right times those are the things that you need to be successful in the face of adversity on the road. I think a big part of Michigan's road problems um, come down to exactly what we're talking about here. Somebody being able to pick up the, their teammates and, and snap back to attention and really get focused uh, on the task at hand. And that's what we need when things start to go sideways. And I tried to, tried to kind of show all of the opportunities um, that presented themselves on Saturday through the first three drives against Wisconsin in, in my recap. And we can see, can see where the opportunities are there for, for, okay, somebody's got to right the ship. Somebody's got to snap this back into going in the right direction. And it doesn't happen. There's, there's a failure of making a play or, or, getting everybody back onto the same page, it, it doesn't happen. Three, The first three times, and then it's 21 to nothing in the second quarter. And, you know, you, you might as well shut the lights out at that point. You know, that was one of the big stats that jumped out to me. The time of possession. Wisconsin just, just dominated, you know, 41 minutes to, uh, you know, just under 19 for Michigan. And the thing about that is, you get kind of a vicious cycle on defense where you're never able to catch your breath. And one of the things about the the Michigan defense is, again, they do they do do a lot of stunning. They do a lot of you know uh, sometimes interesting blitz packages. And the issue is, the more opportunities you give the other team, the more opportunities they have to get lucky and hit the big play. And you know, boy, I, you know, watching the tape. Um, you know, I wonder, you know, I'm going to be very carefully watching um, how teams attack, especially what I would say the lesser teams, how they attack the Michigan defense. Because one of the things that struck me when I was watching the tape is, boy, Wisconsin was guessing right a lot. And 
I don't know if that's a case of, of luck. I don't know if that's a case of, again, they ran a, a ton of plays and you're, you're going to get lucky if you, you know, have enough opportunities or if in some way, um, you know, the Michigan defense has been, uh, you know, the, the code has been cracked a little bit and, you know, what will Don Brown need to do to, to um, randomize things a little bit more. So, you know, we talked about the quarterback position. One of the big things I want to see, um, you know, watch closely over the next couple of games is how do they adjust our base defense? How do they um, basically get down to basics to stop the bread and butter plays? Because, you know, one of the things I was disappointed in Wisconsin is, you know, much like Army, you know what they're going to do, right? And, man, they got they got a fast running back. They have great, you know, offensive linemen. But you know what they're going to do. And, man, they just, they just shredded our defense in that first half. And so, you know, what I'm looking forward against Rutgers is just to kind of lock things down and, and you know, get some three and outs and, and give the offense some breathing room to kind of find its feet. Yeah, I – that's exactly what we need to see, without a doubt. Rutgers is uh, is the right team to go against um, when that's what you, when that's what you need. They're, right now, SP Plus has them 112th on offense um, and 105th overall. So uh, even in my preseason preview, I kind of mentioned that uh, while I expected Wisconsin to uh, to probably win a close one um, in Week Four. You know, coming home against Rutgers is kind of the uh, the the lotion that you need on that burn. So, um, if if things are not looking a well-oiled machine or uh, you know smooth sailing against Rutgers, then it really is um, time to look a little bit deeper at at what these root causes are. But I, I expect I expect Michigan to be successful against Rutgers. This is a uh, this is going to be the weakest. Um, unit on both sides of the ball that they go against uh even middle tennessee state's uh defense is, is only slightly worse than uh what rutgers defense is but that's opening week problems um it's probably a good comparison to see compare what we do against rutgers on offense to what we did for week one against mtsu because those are similar strength of uh defensive units so um it, it's a good measuring stick in terms of they they need they need some success. They need to build some rhythm. We have to see some things working. The fan base can certainly use some uh, some success, but I think the team, um, more so than the normal, really needs to get out there and have some sustained uh, positive plays on on offense. And to your point, get some quick turnarounds, three and outs, to get the offense back on the field and let them uh, let them go through. And actually get through, get into a game rhythm. That was another game on Saturday that just felt very herky jerky, right? There was no real flow to it um, because of the the craziness of what was going on. There was, um, I mean, there was a one play drive for Wisconsin when they, you know, got their their second touchdown was a long seventy two yard first play. See ya. Didn't even get touched. Defense and then the offense is right back out there and uh punts after five plays so 
it was just strange. There was no continuity, no rhythm. And I think uh, a good outing against Rutgers probably looks and feels a lot more like a standard football game. That's the goal is, is boring and, and uh, as expected. So let's, let's hope that's what we see. Well, and I think that's one of the, the key points that, you know, that you brought up is that it just looks like the offense is out of sorts. And, you know, we said that the first two games, but, you know, I, I always look at this and I say, well, okay, we're a quarter of the way through the season. That is a, a good sample size. And hopefully by now we would have, we would be seeing what the identity is. Now, one thing I will say that I saw watching the tape is that um, the referees were very lax on um, the Wisconsin secondary was able to be very grabby with the Michigan receivers. And by no means am I blaming the refs for the game because Wisconsin dominated, but they had a fair amount of latitude. Um, you know, just, just, you know, there, there was some holding that I think could have been called some pass interference, but again, you know, you have to play with the game that you're presented and, and that's how the refs were calling the game. So the other thing I was kind of surprised at is just how aggressive Wisconsin, the Wisconsin defense was, you know, they ended up having two players ejected for, for targeting, but they were, they were really bringing it. I mean, the, uh, you know, the, the, the dogs were out and, um, you know, again, I mentioned before in the second half, it really looked like Michigan didn't want any and, and Wisconsin was just, was lapping it up. So looking forward, um, you know, we talked about the quarterbacks, we talked about the defense. The other thing that we really need to see is just some consistency on the offensive line for Michigan. Last season, I thought that they took a huge step forward on uh, protecting the quarterback and, and, and providing some, some blocking on run plays. And frankly, it had been a really nice thing to see because for much of the last 10 years where Michigan has been wandering in the wilderness, the offensive line play had been poor. And I thought after last year we had turned a corner. But, man, breaking down the tape against Wisconsin, um, man, there were some, there were some huge, um, they, you know, missed some fits. And uh, the Wisconsin defenders were just, were just slashing and just looked incredibly quick compared to our, our offensive linemen. So really looking to see some consistency and, and some protection to uh, give the offense some breathing room and the quarterback to be at the controls and actually run the offense. Because, you know, after a quarter of the season, I still really don't know what our offensive identity is. And it seems like, again, they've been under the gun so much or turning the ball over so often that it's, it's you know, really hard to see any kind of rhythm and to identify what we're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, looking forward – Let's start with the offensive line. I think there's reason for optimism, even coming out of a really bad performance, like you had said, that they were not getting beaten physically so much as they looked confused as if they had missed some calls or they weren't picking up stunts, right? They were technique things which means that the challenge is going to be to correct those issues in the film room in meetings and then go out and, and correct them in practice 
and then eventually show that you've corrected them against Rutgers because Rutgers is going to come with the same uh, type of schemes that were successful for Wisconsin. Those were four and five man rushes that were giving us up the middle between Cesar Ruiz at center and then your two guards, you know, seniors on the inside and a junior center. And that's 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 why I point again to, to leadership. That's your your offensive captain is Ben Bredesen, your left guard. He's the one that's got to straighten those things out when once you're out there in real time, right? That's not you know, it's on the coaches to be prepared, but you need your captains to kind of take an additional step forward when when you're missing some of those assignments on on the inside there of the offensive line. So I I think that there is reason for optimism because I've got um, a certain amount of faith. I think uh, Ed Warner has earned um, a little bit of uh, the benefit of the doubt from from the fan base. I think he'll get things corrected and they'll they'll look better this week. My bigger concern going forward is depth, um, especially at running back. You know, we saw Charbonnet made the trip after uh, the rumors swirled about his uh, his knee injury. I uh, made the trip, had a, three carries, um, and didn't look the worst for wear. But clearly, and Harbaugh said in the post-game press conference that he was limited. Um, clearly, he's not at uh, not at full go as of this last Saturday. Who knows what it's going to be this coming Saturday? But um, True Wilson didn't even make the trip. So once you're down to your third and fourth running backs, and we've seen specific uh, pass protection issues. From both of those guys, Christian Turner and Hassan Haskins, I, uh, I've got some real concerns with depth uh, at the running back position going forward, and we're still looking for somebody to emerge um, and be the be able to spell Charbonnet. I think we've all been pretty impressed with Charbonnet through the first two games, but we can't be as a program. We can't be. Uh, reliant on a true freshman if he goes down then the whole offense is out of sync we, we have to be able to show um a little bit more of a next man up mentality than than that and we can i think but there are there are issues to correct in order to be able to do that you know sometimes i think that harbaugh does things just to kind of prove people wrong and i was thinking about that when charbonnet got those carries but really didn't play a substantial amount in the game. Whereas, you know, the rumors were flying all over the place. He wanted to show that he was available, but it was very clear he was not the guy that we had seen in the first two games. You know, and again, it, it is, it's frustrating because you don't know how much of the problem that they have running the ball is the offensive line and how much of it is the running backs not uh, running the plays correctly, not, you know, hitting the edge, not, not, doing what what they need to do so it's it's uh you know i think that i got really spoiled last season watching karan higdon who was just kind of a beast and you know i i don't think that you know we have that yet zach charbonnet definitely looked great the first two games but again as as you mentioned he was a little dinged up or not completely 100 percent last game so um again i think it comes back to the identity thing is you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna run a certain amount of times, it's the next man up, and you got to get it. You know, you shouldn't be yeah, so dependent on one player. Yeah, sorry about that. That 
the other reason I brought up the depth is I think it directly leads to why you're putting Ben Mason in from the seven-yard line uh, in a position where he's going to fumble after having switched full-time to a defensive tackle. You know, it, that was probably um, Charbonnet's injury, True Wilson's injury, probably led to the decision to put a, a goal line package in with Ben Mason um, in the bye week. And that's a lack of confidence in your number three and number four, and even your number five after Van Sumeren had, had fumbled um, in the Army game. That lack of depth and confidence uh, down the depth chart directly led to handing the ball to who is now a defensive tackle um, on the first series of the game. So uh, that these are all things, again, to to try to be, I mean, realistic, but still where where I do s- still hold on to some optimism is these are things that can be corrected um, in the film room with a coaching staff that I still have a lot of faith in um, understanding what the problems are and making the corrections. Uh, but it's it's becoming a point that they have to be able to put the words and the X's and O's into practice and 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 really drilling and teaching, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids on how to execute these things and, and make real time decisions on the fly in, in some high pressure situations. So uh, it, it's a challenge. And, and I think rightly so. A lot of this falls at the feet of Jim Harbaugh. I think he knows that better than anybody. And I expect uh, I expect him to come out and uh, answer the challenge um, in the way that, that he typically does when he's challenged directly. So I, I've got some optimism. I think you're going to see a, uh, a standard performance against Rutgers. I think they are going to be able to, uh, to stretch it out and, and get some some younger guys, some playing time in the second half. Um, I, I do expect to see a a more um, a more acceptable performance this coming week in the Big House. But I know that's not going to make anybody feel better, right? We can only we can only make people feel worse with a close game, right? It, it, there's there's no feeling better no matter what we do against Rutgers, and I think you you already mentioned that. And then Iowa. Um, maybe provide some relief if you can have a, have a strong performance against Iowa and beat them uh, in two weeks. So there's a chance that we feel better in, in a couple weeks here, but um, nobody's going to feel any different uh, a week from today, uh, next Sunday after the Rutgers game, regardless of how well we play. So might as well go out there and play well and, and start building some momentum. One of the things that I thought we lost when we went to the the new Josh Gaddis offenses, I was disappointed in in anticipating that Ben Mason was kind of rotated out of the offense, right? Like the importance of the fullback kind of disappears in this new offense. So against Army, when Michigan had trouble on those short fourth downs, I was I was sitting there thinking, man, this is the time where Ben Mason was money, right? Last season, um, Ben Mason was your short yardage guy. Ben Mason was your your, uh, you know, short and goal guy. So when he came out, I was like, okay, we're getting back to something that's a little more consistent and a little more steady. But you made a great point. You know, you can't just plug a guy in and, you know, have him perform like he did a year ago when he's been practicing at, at, uh, de- at defensive line. So I was 
you know, at first, you know, I, there's been a lot of criticism of, of him in that role. And, you know, I just looked at his man when everything's going wrong, everything's going wrong. You know, you had a guy who'd been so consistent and again, just, just, uh, you know, he had a real bad, you know, had a bad play. It happens to people, but so I'm wondering, you know, how much this makes the impression or how much this means about our, our impacts, our offensive identity, right? Because, you know, against Army, when it was fourth and goal last year, I knew who would get the ball, right? So I don't know what we do this year. And, you know, um, you know, I guess that to me, that's still an open issue. You know, what, what do we want to do? You know, you always say, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? What does this offense want to be? And, you know, I spent uh, a lot of time watching other games this weekend. Um, and it's, you know, kind of disappointing to see um, other offenses kind of at least know what they want to do. Um, now, as you said, I, I do have a lot of confidence in this coaching staff. Um, I think that there is still a huge upside to our offense. And I think that we kind of found it later in the game. Now, my question is, did we find it because, you know, by necessity, like, well, we got, we're down by a ton of points, so we kind of kind of need to go downfield to our tall receivers. Or is that what we want to do? I hope that's what we want to do. You know, I hope that, you know, you look at some of the mismatches that our receivers have on, on you know, the defensive backfield and, and, and that you do start to do that. Um, I do have to say that while I was watching some of the uh, Wisconsin secondary get a little grabby with Michigan, I thought the receivers could have did a better job on some of their patterns. You know, they could have gotten separation a little better. So, you know, it's when you're, when you're breaking down a new offense and patterns and, and what quarterbacks are anticipating, you know, I don't think it helped that you have Patterson coming in and out. Um, you know, for as much as I'm, I'm a big fan of McCaffrey's upside, he really hasn't thrown that many passes in his career. So that's not the easiest situation for him either. So, um, you know, the best thing that we could see against Rutgers is, you know, Patterson come out, have a huge first half, you know, get up by, by you know, enough scores that we could see, um, you know, if, if, again, if it's going to be Milton as the backup, that he gets some substantive time in the second half to kind of, you know, show what he can do in the offense. Uh, because, again, you know, we saw McCaffrey go out. We've seen Patterson go out. So I think that we need to have uh, next man up and ready at the quarterback position and see what, you know, what Gaddis can dial up. Yep, I I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I'm I've got one other kind of dimension or, or frame of reference um, in terms of optimism uh, for this team in this season uh, for us as, as fans. Um, this really really poor performance was actually a better performance than what the uh, 2016 Penn State Nittany Lions put forward in the big house. I, you know, I'm sure you remember covering that game. I certainly remember watching that game and thinking that Michigan was just absolutely unbeatable. Well, that, that Penn State team came back and, and won the Big Ten title. And not only is it a frame of reference for optimism, but of course, that was Joe Moorhead's first 
year as the offensive coordinator at Penn State, when I looked at some of the advanced metrics through their first four games, they were pedestrian by by any account. You know, they, they did it beat Temple, but they had lost to Pitt and then blown out by Michigan and then just barely squeaked by Minnesota in their fifth game. So the system, the offensive system, takes some time to install and to to teach 18 to 22 year old kids how to play the the positions and and to play the techniques correctly together and and you've got to work out these timing issues so we've really been hampered by a lack of rhythm and a lack of uh sustaining drives to be able to work some of this stuff out Uh, i think harbaugh's phrase that that makes sense here is they just need time on task they need time together executing this offense and I, I still am confident that the big plays are coming, but we've we've now run out of wiggle room and, and free time to wait. They've got a show that they've got it figured out here against Rutgers this coming Saturday, and they're gonna have another another big challenge against the Hawkeyes in two weeks. So um I think it'll I think it'll turn around. I think it's gonna be okay. But you know, this is uh there's no more no more time to to, to mess around. It, it's put up or shut up time. Let's go. Well, and I, I think that's a great point because it's just three games into the season. There is a lot of time for a lot of good to happen. There's a lot of time for a lot of bad to happen. Um, I'm surprised at how many people are ready to jump off a cliff and, you know, throw everything away at this point. So, you know, I, I mentioned after the Army game, you know, I wrote in one of my articles, I said, listen, this is like a car that, you know, starts up and, and all the warning lights turn on on the dashboard. And usually after a couple of minutes, the warning lights go off and you know you're good, right? I definitely see the warning lights. I just, you know, I'm still confident most of them are going to go off. But, you know, you make a great point. You know, you don't have a lot of time. You know, um, I think back to... You know, there are teams, you know, and, and going back to, you know, we're going to skip the, the Hulk era and we're going to skip the Rich Rod era. But there were seasons where Michigan ended the season just firing on all the cylinders, but struggled early. Right. So one of the things I'm looking to see from a from a program view, you know, from the, the 50,000 foot view is, you know, I can remember Michigan looking bad against teams you know and and we'll think back to you know Lloyd Carr's last year right you start with that App State game but you know you got to remember Dennis Dixon came in and just shredded Michigan right but Mm -hmm. at the end of the season they beat Tim Tebow and and have a really nice bowl win now it was still a disappointing season but you look at that year and you go you know they were they were dinged up you know for for a good part of the year and when everybody was healthy, they looked really good. So the question is, is are we just struggling to install this offense? And, you know, can we catch gear and really start tearing people up? And, and I think that the potential is there. Uh, you know, we have seen this defense play much better. We know that they can. Um, so, again, we definitely have a lot to watch. You know, I always think back to the quote, you know, from Gladiator, are you not entertained? I mean, this definitely keeps your interest. It, it's not always a fun ride, but, you know, Michigan is, is always interesting. I would just like to see 
uh, you know, some interesting play of us beating the crap out of somebody for the next couple of weeks and really starting to see something that is a sustained threat to the powers, not only in the conference, and, you know, I'm, I'm speaking specifically of Ohio State, but nationally. So, again, you know, we definitely have, we have a stew here, and, and it's being stirred. And, you know, we got to see, see how it comes together. But by no means is the season over. You know, I, again, I was really surprised to hear even some of the, um, you know, people on the radio, some of the commentators just, you know, ready to, uh, you know, jump off a bridge that the season was over and done, time to pull the plug. And, and I, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of games left to play, a lot of football left to see. Yep, absolutely. I I can't say that I'm surprised that that's happening, but I certainly uh, I, I would echo what you're saying and and caution against it. There's there's a lot of time. I one other one other thing that I think is kind of turning the knife a little bit on on Michigan as a fan base is seeing uh, LSU have success with a, a new improved offense after going from a three yards in a cloud of dust to a spread offense. And now they're, uh, you know, scoring a lot of points and, and look like they're going to really maybe push Alabama. Well, he's in his second year. It seems like they just took off because they were really bad early at the beginning of last year on offense at LSU. It takes time to install a, a, a new system with college players. The other one is uh, who is a new uh, coordinator and we'll keep our eyes on is, uh, you know, Mike Loxley going to Maryland. I think Michigan saw Maryland scoring 60 and 70 points in the first two weeks. Oh man, how come they can do it and we can't? And then they go and drop a game to Temple. And, and Temple is a, a strong defense. You know, they're in the top 20 in the SP Plus defense rankings. So uh, as soon as they got a test uh, at Maryland, they showed that it's hard to install a new system with college players. So, um, I will be much more concerned um, through the next couple of weeks if we still see the same problems. You know, I'm putting my head in the sand and and trying to ignore the issues and the warning lights that you set. But um, it takes time, so um, let's let's hope that it comes together at the right time over these next couple home games, and uh, we'll we'll welcome everybody back onto the bandwagon. I'm sure uh, at the right time. Well, it's funny you mentioned LSU because that's exactly what I was thinking. I was watching that game a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, wow, you know, they're entertaining. You know, I'll also say the same thing for Texas, you know, a, a program that's been kind of downtrodden. And, you know, again, they, they played, you know, it was that LSU-Texas game that LSU pulled out. But Texas looks like they, they might be coming back. Now, again, a lot of football left to play, but it is – Listen, I'd be lying if if I didn't admit that I'm disappointed. Okay, but you know, I you know I love Michigan. I'm on this ride. I'm not going anywhere. And um, you know, I have confidence in this coaching staff. I have confidence in the players. And again, there's going to be enough data one way or the other. After you know, after you know, after a few more games, we'll know where we are. We'll know if this Wisconsin game was an outlier or if it was the harbinger of disaster. But to be to be claiming that you know exactly what's going to happen right now. Now, Clint, I do have to give you credit. When we were doing our preseason predictions, 
you highlighted the Wisconsin game as being a big challenge. And I'll tell you that I really took another look at it after after listening to the things you brought up, and it really adjusted my outlook. So um, now I, you know, I still was hoping and predicted Michigan was going to pull it out, but it, it definitely made me think twice about it. And I was thinking the whole first half, you know, this is – this is some of the stuff that, that you had pointed out that you were concerned about. So I, I have to give you credit there. I appreciate that. I, I wish I wish that Michigan had found a, a solution to those things <laughs> in the bye week. But, um, you know, here we go. There's a lot of lots of play. Uh, football season is a quarter of the way over, you know, and even at the end of the first quarter in this debacle of a game, they still had a chance to uh, to start fighting back. They just they didn't do it. So. Um, I, I would say that they're in that exact spot right now. The chips are down a little bit right here, but um, there's there's a long way to go. But they got to come out. They got to come out and, and start punching back. That's for sure. And no matter what, it's always great to be a Michigan Wolverine. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.